if there was ever an episode of this podcast which you should make sure you listen to whilst all tucked up in bed like a big tasty cinnamon bun, it's this episode of that song from that movie. Hey kiddo, let mum and dad talk for a minute, will you? No, Alex. Uh, no, 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 that's not, it's not, it's not making any sense. <laughs> it's, not, it's not going to me. Go on. What, sh- what should it have been? It should have been sleep. It's the Green Goblin putting <laughs> Spider-Man to sleep. <laughs> Never in a million years. Thank you for joining that song from that movie, the journey for the very <laughs> best and worst of movie songs. I am your likes to be tucked up in bed by 10pm host Dietrich. And we're joined by the man running on two hours sleep and a whole lot of Red Bull, Alex. <laughs> I mean, Red Bull is probably it probably is what I need. Maybe maybe that's what I should go buy at the shop. Too many Carabos. Too many Car- Carabos. Yeah. Or Monster no Rockstar. <laughs> or, or what was it? What was the old Blue Bowl? Yeah, Blue Bowl. That was it. I was going to say what was the off brand version. Yeah, too much Blue Bowl. Or not enough Blue Bowl, even should I say? Yeah. I don't know. I'm too tired to really know which way around it is. <laughs> as long as it goes in the right way. Uh, and completing the lineup is the man who told me sleep is for the weak, and he's incredibly weak, Ben. I am, I am, I am so weak. It's been a staple for my 32 years. But you know, this might be the one that changes it all. Probably not. I mean, I was going to go to the gym tonight, but here we are. <laughs> this is better than the gym. <laughs> well, it is. It is, it is. I don't, you don't go to the gym because you enjoy it. You go f- through guilt and shame. Guilt and shame. Guilt and shame. I would like to know in the past fortnight, what have you been watching? Cha-cha-cha. Much longer <laughs> than a fortnight, though, right? Much longer than a fortnight we've been away. No, but I only want to know what you've been watching in the past fortnight. Oh, okay, okay. So if you watched it more than two weeks ago, jettison it. It, yeah. it may as well never happened. Yeah. Exactly. Jimmy Grimble? <laughs> Did you not mention Jimmy Grimble last time you watched it again? It was on, no, I haven't. <laughs> Every two weeks, Ben watches <laughs> Jimmy Grimble. Keeps me grounded. Yeah. So we're doing kind of like a movie jar night at the moment on a Friday. So we watched, oh my god, we watched Don't Worry Darling. Have you, have you guys seen that? Uh, I literally watched it like three days ago. What was your favourite part of the movie? <laughs> All of it. <laughs> <laughs> was, was it really? No. It wasn't as bad as people said it was, though. Uh, I don't know. No, it wasn't. It wasn't as bad as people said it was. I think there was problems with structure. <laughs> this, there was problems with plot. And in fact, it felt like a movie. There's obviously, there's like a big twist in it. But the, the problem is, is that the twist comes so late in the film that they can't explain anything. The point of the film is the twist. Yeah, but then the twist comes and you're like, but that that makes the rest of the film not make a lot of sense. Are they going to explain <laughs> that? No, the film's over. No, the, yeah, exactly. Even the villain is like, oh, I forgot about what we do with this character. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, like, the film was okay until that yeah. point, I thought. It, it, what it is, I, it's I not the twist, I thought the twist is fine. I thought the twist is fine. It does that thing that I hate when they know where they need to get to and they haven't quite figured out a clever way of getting there. So they just, oh, well, he left the briefcase in the room. <laughs> And I hate films. It happens in so many films when they just leave the briefcase in the room. Hmm. And not not only that, when you open the briefcase for a very long period of time, and then all it says is top secret. <laughs> the idea of the twist is really good, and and like if the the film had lived up to it, or like if they'd have given it, like I I heard I read a review or heard a review where they said that it would have worked a lot better if the twist had been halfway through the film, and that changed my complete view of it because it was like if that had happened halfway, they could have really made it work, but they didn't. They did it. 
it right at the end. Also, the film would have had a lot more of an edge if it was Shia LaBeouf and not Harry Styles, because then it would have been a bit more scary. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it was supposed to be originally. It, it, yeah, it would. It would. It would have definitely added a different element to it. <laughs> it um, would have done. No, not everyone gets this kind of opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> I like how your Harry Styles is just Mel B from Bus Lecter. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's not that the, the, bo- the boy. The boy can act, but he can't do angry yet. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if he can act. I mean, he wasn't. He wasn't as bad as people thought. And and actually, he's supposed to be British in the film, or certainly that character is. So, like, whenever it was like, why is his accent so weird? It's like well, it kind of makes sense in the context of the film. <laughs> he's playing Harry Styles. I think it's also unfortunately when people are decent actors and then they come across their opposite someone who is a very good actor. In the case of Florence Pugh, and it's it points it out a bit more that oh, you're not up to this level. Yeah, yeah, that, that was a big problem. <laughs> like Neville Longbottom in Happy Valley. Oh, he was alright. He, he didn't have many scenes, <laughs> so it's fine. I also, what else did I watch? I watched, well, I watched the film Singing in the Rain for the first time. Much better film. Great film. <laughs> Much better film. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic film. I've been to the cinema three times since we last recorded. Oh, you have? You saw, every, you saw everything everywhere all at once, didn't you? I did. I, went to, oh, I finally went to see it. Thank God. Best film ever. Well. Was it worthy I mean, of its best picture? It's the best film of the past ten years, probably. It, it, it was an incredible movie. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I'm glad I saw it at the cinema because I don't think if I'd have watched this at home when I had distractions around me, I would have quite enjoyed it as much. Mm. Yeah, I get that. That was one of the three. Oh, yeah. You, you also saw the film that I was going to go see uh, today. Originally. You had a busy evening planned. Well, I mean, the film originally was taken over by the gym. <laughs> it was going to the gym with guilt and shame. And what were you going to the cinema with? Who was that? <laughs> that, was the, that, was, that was where the guilt and shame would build up. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I saw Ant-Man. Sorry. And I saw John Wick Chapter 4, and it's one of the greatest movies ever made. I would say <laughs> no, it's the, a, I would say it's the best good. movie made in the past 10 years. No. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so so what, I don't, what, I, what, what I want to get to the nub of it, obviously I've not seen it, but I saw, I saw your message in our, in our collective group on the, on a social media platform known as WhatsApp, and you'd said that. And I was like, but what, what differentiates it from John Wick 3? And John Wick two, and John Wick one. Hour of John Wick. Yeah, it's how is it different? How is it different? Is what I was was what I wanted to know. Do you like them, Alex? I don't mind them. Like I've seen them. They, you know, they do what they, you know, they do what they say they're going to do. Like they are fun to watch. I mean, you know, they're not. There's not much going on beyond that. So that's kind of what I didn't get. I I want that. It's not that I didn't get because I've not seen it, but I want to know why it's better than those the original three. It's uh, it's it's about cinematography, Alex. Is I it? don't think you are. <laughs> in front of, look at you in front of it. these big words. Costume design and other awards. Mise en scène. Yeah, yeah. Stunts. Onomatopoeia and stuff. Onomatopoeia. <laughs> Fantastic onomatopoeia. It, it's just like an incredible series of action sequences, including one which might be the best one I've ever seen in any film. Just the way it looks, the way they do it. Yeah, but does it involve a butt plug, like in Everything Everywhere All at Once? Yes. Oh, shit. Spoilers. <laughs> oh, now I'm going to see it. Is it better than the pencil scene from John Wick 3? John Wick 2? Whichever the pencil scene is from. It's one of the John Wicks. <laughs> the thing is, they'll, they'll blur into one. They really do blur in, into one. They're all just one long film, aren't they? Basically, just one well, long yeah. action sequence <laughs> yeah. stringed together. It's like playing, you know, like, do you remember Stuntman on, um, oh, on yeah, the PlayStation? Yeah. yeah. It's like playing, it's like, it's like watching that unfold. Wow. Uh, so to answer your question, Alex, uh, it's pretty much a continuation of the same story. So it's pretty much the same, except it just looks even better because they're doing even newer things. Right. Okay. I mean, I'm sure I'll watch it at some point. The pacing of the movie is a lot better, Mm. whereas in 
two and three at, at parts, it feels like a slog. Mm. Yeah, it feels like it's another action sequence, it's another fight scene, it's another scene where it shoots 5,000 people. <laughs> exactly. You skimmed over Ant-Man, is that all right? Uh, <laughs> Jonathan Major's all right? At <laughs> <laughs> the time of uh, watching it, yeah. <laughs> Kevin Feige or, must be pulling not. out any remaining hairs he's got. This episode, we're taking another step in our Disney marathon by covering the yawn-inducing Sleeping Beauty and its associated songs. <laughs> so to find out what was happening in the world when the movie came out. Time for some history. Yes, it could be yawn-inducing for many reasons, to be honest. But yes, we're going to July 1959. It was released in UK in July. It was released in the US in January. But guess what? The news was better in July, so here we are. <laughs> America unveils Alaska as the 49th state on the US flag. How long do you think there was 49 states? Uh, a week. Uh, it was exactly one year. Yeah. Um, July the 4th, 1960, they added Hawaii. 49 states would not have been, would not have looked I'll right. be in a dead grave before I recognise Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of them unveiling it, like, ooh, just like pulling like a giant curtain apart and there's another state there. <laughs> Where did this go? Oh, I think it'd be like X Factor. Like it'd go, like it'd be like between Cuba and Hawaii. Yeah. It goes to Deadlock and uh, Simon Cowell gets to pick. <laughs> I imagine there was various like local convenience stores just selling stick on stars. <laughs> Because hell, hell, hell am I going to be the first person to buy a new flag? It's a good flag. Why would I get rid of it? Yeah. Oh, there's probably some people still living with like 26 and not accepting anything anything from those unionist bastards. Well, like one of those flags with like the circle of stars. Yeah. It's like Disneyland where they have an old flag so they don't have to take it down each day. <laughs> yeah. Also in July 1959, the worst movie ever was released. Do you know what movie I'm referencing? Um... What movie he's coined? And I think has often taken that itself as the worst movie ever. In what year? What year is 1959? 1959, yes. Worst movie ever made? I can't think of anything that old. No, well, you might not. So there's a, there's, there's a film based on the director's life starring Johnny Depp. Edward Scissorhands. Oh, well, you know, um, well, I mean, you started that right. Edward. Edward, yes, Edward. So it's Edward's Plan 9 from Outer Space. Um, it is a terrible film uh, about two aliens, Eros and Tanner, who arrive on Earth and try to um, reanimate the dead <laughs> in hopes of overtaking the planet while the military tries to keep the whole thing a secret. If you think that's interesting, uh, it's not. Um, it's a terrible film. Uh, and the Edward film is much better depiction of it and much more interesting. It's one of those films, that I suppose, if you watch it with other people, it might be entertaining, but it is just cack. And in much more local, interesting news, UK postcodes are introduced for the first time ever. What? 1959? What did they do before? Uh, they just threw, th threw them in the air and hoped that they got there. Trialed in the weird city of Norwich. Trialed? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that meant. Like, you just try and people send posts and they have to write another line like, there I am. And there's only one the street. And by God, I will find it. I don't know what posties were doing up until then. They must have just been panicking. <laughs> like, just writing, like, a, a street name and putting leads, and just like, well, I'll find it. Knocking on every single door. Are you Mr. Smith? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just get every single door. It must have, it must have been an absolute <laughs> nightmare. But in news related specifically to this podcast, Sleeping Beauty came out. So yes, as we have been going through all of the Disney films, as much in order as we possibly can, at least those with actually interesting songs, we now fall upon Sleeping Beauty, which as you would hopefully know, is a Walt Disney-produced animated movie loosely based on the 1697, 
Potter, a fair bit old, fairy tale of the same name by Charles Perrault, someone we've already covered on this podcast in this Disney series, because he also wrote Cinderella. The film's plot follows a young princess, Aurora, who was cursed by the evil fairy Maleficent to die from a prick on a spindle on the spinning wheel, but was saved by three good fairies, no spoilers, um, who altered the curse so that the princess instead fell into a deep slumber, only to be awakened by true love's kiss. Um, or the next big thing. <laughs> I can only assume we've seen this film. Yes. Yeah. Go, go on. Give me your, uh, give me your, give me your thoughts. Give me your, your feelings. Uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, I have indeed seen this movie, both as a child and more recently, so it's pretty well embedded in my brain, uh, as is the, the Disney mantra, as is their way. <laughs> I have mixed feelings about this movie, and I don't mean that in a sort of, it's middling or a, a classic, as I already said in this podcast, it's fine way that we always seem to do. I mean, more in a sense, I've got, I've got contrasting, conflicting emotions about this one. Yeah. On one hand... The story pretty much makes zero sense. Mm-hmm. Well, as it's presented in the film, like the whole setup is some old witch is yep. upset that she didn't get invited to a child's <laughs> birthday party. <laughs> it's the story of everybody's auntie, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah. And, and if that wasn't flimsy enough, she then puts an incredibly specific curse on this baby <laughs> who realistically had her family just treated Aurora like a princess. It wouldn't have ever mattered. Oh, yeah, because she, she ain't ever going to see a spindle. <laughs> Exactly. She's not going to uh, do a day's work in her life. Yep. Uh, the characters wafer thin. They make illogical decisions, like putting the whole town to sleep. Mm. I mean, I'm jealous that he can go to sleep that fast, but it doesn't <laughs> make any sense. I know it's based on an older story. I don't get that at all. <laughs> We're going to put everyone to sleep until someone who's presumably asleep will kiss her. It doesn't make any sense. No, no. Uh, it's just really frustrating because, like, on the other hand, I think this is probably one of the most visually beautiful movies Absolutely. ever made Absolutely. the backgrounds like the works of art in their own like in and of themselves in their own right beautiful oil paintings you know which obviously wasn't something i picked up as a child but yeah watching it back as an adult i couldn't stop staring at how intricate the work was in the background and i'm like this is the 1950s how is this level of definition possible on like <laughs> on a on a cell but it's hand animated yeah. it's kind of crazy you could talk about it all the time and then like the character animations on top of that they're silky smooth or oh yeah especially like, the remastered versions like the remastered yeah, is like is incredible it's just it's just a thing to behold but even then they're not even just silky smooth when they need to be they're like perfectly gnarled like when Melissa Fent surrounds the castle with the thorns or whatever she surrounds their castle or a tower yeah. or something mm-hmm. i can't remember yeah yeah it's good um, the thorns are so well crafted that they feel real to me, at least. I get almost like a visceral reaction to how sharp and jaggedy and spiky they are. I can sort of feel it on my skin. It's a children's princess movie from the 1950s. <laughs> <laughs> There's no reason for this movie to look as good as it does, but I'm glad that it does. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's probably the best looking Disney film. By I, I'd almost say, I, I mean, I'd probably go as far as to say that it is the best looking Disney film. And like you said, it's probably one of the best looking animated films ever made and I, I just think like it's like like you said it's like the texture and like the layering of everything that's going on but also the color like yeah. the color palette as well is just like so striking especially in that new remastered new and remastered version it's like it's kind of like it sort of like f- has like a fluorescence to it like the the colors that shine out amongst like the d- from the dark background it's just like wow mm. to look at really isn't it but then, yeah, the the, st- the story there's not there's not much yeah. there's not much to it. It's pure it's pure cack. Yeah, yeah, and I think it probably is because they stuck maybe they stuck quite rigidly to 
original fairy tale mm-hmm. or the or the opera that, that the music is is based on I, i'm not sure but i think i think in some ways though as well it feels like it's like the last classic disney film in terms of it being like about like a traditional princess fairy tale i think i mean there probably you know, will be examples later down the line maybe but it does feel like it's the last one of that sort of i don't know right at the beginning of us doing this which feels like forever ago maybe like two years ago you said there's like different categories i don't know if this is like the beginning oh, of yeah. the silver or the end of this the gold. is the silver age this is yeah. in the, we're in the silver age yeah well I, I don't know i just feel this feels like the end of the original films to me because the next one i okay. think is 101 dalmatians which we already did cover i think yeah we've already covered yeah that feels like the newer generation of Disney films, whereas this one, and and I know like we've seen some like Lady and the Tramp, maybe that didn't maybe fit into that mold, but I still I still see this one as as an original classic, older one. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, I'd say this is the classic of the I guess of the original princess stories as well. This is the last one I think for a while. If someone asked me when this was, up until you know like recently, because also we're doing this podcast, I don't think I would have said it was as late as fifty nine. I think I would have said it was like forty seven or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, when you look at it, like you've said, here, like it's it's literally stunning. So it's like I don't know if it could be as early as the '30s one. Well, I think for what what are considered like the Disney princesses, it's 30 years until there's a another Disney princess film, which I think is Little Mermaid. Because I think that's 89. Yeah, which is not not yeah. like in the same tradition. And, then there's, and there's a lot of films in that in that gap. There's a load of films, but I, the, none of them are Disney princess films. You know, we go from what so we got like The Sword in the Stone, Jungle Book, Aristocats, Robin Hood rescuers you know they're all you know peach dragon they're all famous good Disney films but there's not the princess films which is quite interesting in a way mm. but i think and we'll go we'll go on to talk about that a bit now i guess about why that might be because up to this point this was the most expensive disney animated movie to date it cost six million dollars to make i think in the same year ben hur came out i was around this point and ben hur cost about i think it was about 13 14 million if you've seen Ben Hur, Ben Hur is an epic of like the most epic it's got, scale. It's got like thousands of extras. <laughs> yeah, and by and so you compare that to an animated movie. That's not a very long film. Yeah, it's only an hour and fifteen. That's it costs like just over a third. That's pretty mad, really. So the film did not do well. It was considered a box office bomb. It made five and a half million back at the box office. So it's not even made its initial budget. And there's there's various news articles, magazines, sort of analysis pieces, trying to figure out, looking back, why that might have been. What, why do you think it might that might have been? Because up to now, we've had a lot of success. Peter Pan, done well. Alice in Wonderland's done well. Cinderella's done well. Did you say it was released in January in America? It was released in January, yes. Isn't that like traditionally the death slot in terms of movie going because people have just paid for christmas so they're cutting back on expenses and frivolous stuff i i I think that but at the same time the biggest movies of all time usually come out in like the avatar came out in january you know the original avatar Mm. like i think a lot of big films i think if people want to see it they'll see it regardless so i don't think that's exactly why it did this bad so it was four years between this and lady and the tramp so there's you know a bit of a gap alex have you got any thoughts I wonder whether there was sort of like a, um, a backlash against animation in some way. Maybe people were sick of it or... Nah, it, yeah. From the bits that I've tried to like read up on, that does seem to be a part of it. So it felt like how cinema was going and how Hollywood was changing in the late 50s, early 60s. People were moving away from that fairy tale, like schlock. There was a lot more films to going towards adult audiences. The noir was doing well. Epics were doing well. 
musicals, a lot of the, well, musicals were doing all right, but a lot of the big studios, like the, you know, you think about the golden age of Hollywood just before then, like MGM, RKO Pictures, uh, Paramount, uh, Warner Brothers, a lot of those studios in the late 50s, like, started doing pretty poorly. They were just having a lot of bombs, and a lot of them started going to more independent, smaller pictures, and, like, really pushing them. Hmm. films like Ten Commandments and like Ben Herb, they were either basically going on the one or two of the extremes so like either funding small and trying to make small wins or just going all out with these huge massive epics and sci-fi started coming in as well so like there was um, Journey to the Center of the Earth which I think did quite well I think people were moving away from fantasy. I think, sorry, like, you know, high fantasy, fairy tale, mm. what might have been seen as more children's. Like, even the market for young people was starting to gear more towards the teenage market. Yeah. Like, you know, especially um, yeah. musicals and young women. Much to the chagrin of Stinky Pete the Prospector. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Hitchcock was doing well, like, thrillers were yeah. starting to come out, like, North by Northwest films. Like Psycho that. was 60, wasn't it? Psycho was 60, yeah. But, like, musicals, for instance, were still big, weren't they? I mean, in the 60s, you oh, yeah, had yeah, yeah. Oliver... King and I has just come out, has done really well. Sound of Music and West Side Story. So, you know, you've got, like... Ma- I mean, two of those were Best Picture winners. So, like, they were- musicals were obviously still very big in in cinema, but, but this, this is kind of... not really a musical, is it? Well, yeah, well, that's what I was going to get at. It's kind of... it's Maybe it is the... Maybe they were moving into a different place. And so, like, no. it's kind of, like, chill... Like you said, like, this childlike fantasy tales were kind of less interested less on, on vogue i suppose and those those epics and all those those hitchcock films are really story driven narrative driven really interesting you know the twist starting to come out um kind of giving audiences a bit more respect <laughs> this film is like as we've discussed is basic as and that was walt disney's way walt disney was like loved animation in a style more than a substance way. Mm. Like he's he's not he would just take old stories, you know, buy the rights to them and put them on screen. Like his thing was that you can make animation do what reality can't. But now you've got films like Ten Commandments, Ben Hur, Journey Through the Center of the Earth, also doing that with actual real actors. Maybe this just doesn't ha- didn't have the love affair. Then they changed their art style after this. So I think they developed a way in this film, which is why it looks so beautiful, that costs so much. After this, they went to what's called the Xerox method. So it was starting to like mass oh, produce yes. digital print. So everything was a lot easier to make. But that was because this film did so poorly that they just had to shift how they worked. And why I think a lot of the films that come, they started to do like um, the famous sort of reprints. So like Jungle Book and Robin Hood use a lot of the same scenes, just reprinted over. Yeah. That's the Xerox yeah. method. I remember this from the 101 Dalmatians episode. Yeah, which which was the first one, wasn't it? I think they used the method. Yes. Yeah. So, right. Absolutely, yeah. So um, maybe if they did more musical songs, it would have had more of an appeal because these songs aren't really musical. They're not like a, they're not sing-along songs. <laughs> No, I mean because they're based on opera music, aren't they? Or they're based on yes. on a, a you know symphony music. It's not it's not the same. It's not show tunes because <laughs> um, it's no, just because no, no, I think yes. I think I was I mentioned singing in the rain at the beginning. I think it came out the same year. Did it come out in fifty nine? It came out in a really similar year, and it might have been slightly, might have been fifty seven, fifty eight. Um, and that is a like almost like a high concept musical. Oh no, it's a bit earlier, fifty two. Oh sorry, sorry, Raz, it was as early as that. But anyway, that because I mean, but maybe that proves that goes to the point in that like 
there's so many interesting things going on in that film, like cinematography-wise, and you watch it, and you're like, ah, oh, yeah. it's one of those films where there's so many references to it until you've seen it, you're like, oh, that's what that reference was from. And it's like, it's so it's shot in such an interesting way, and then you come to this, which, don't get me wrong, as we've said, it's like mm-hmm. really stunning to look at, like now, to look back on it, but I think maybe at the time it was like, oh, this is just another animation there's nothing that interesting going on i think that's what it is yeah like technical is just fully up and running now like you know we left black and white in the mid 40s everything's now just playing around with how can we make really interesting palette choices like singing the rain is probably one of the best examples of that and yeah i think the magic of animation was just dropping you know now we obviously look through it with a yeah. different lens but i just don't think the, the beauty that it could provide that nothing else could was changing <laughs> Because studios were having to take more gambles and try new things and not just rely on those just pumping out, you know, talky pictures that they had been doing for, for you know, as much as possible through the, uh, especially through the late 40s, early 50s. Makes it a real shame that this one bombed then, because imagine the yeah, next yeah, decade absolutely. of films that look like this, that we lost. Yeah, and it's a, <laughs> it's a film that I know has got a lot of love, but it's also, as generations go on, people find it more and more reductionist, especially because of Aurora. Like it's very easy for it to just become a very, as like a a very the 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 most basic analytical viewpoint of this film of that it's like a misogynistic because it's just a woman waiting for a man to save her and you know if you were at, at, the, at the the most basic level you could just say that from the film and as you know time goes on that critique just gets easier to make and therefore the film I think loses out on that which is a shame because the animation of this film is well it's just incredible the music though well. We'll see. <laughs> so yeah, um, there are various different iterations of songs in this film, and there's quite a few, but I really cannot be bothered to talk about them because some of them are so brief, so pointless. Some of them are just reprises of different versions of the songs. So I'm going to talk about four, four in particular. The first one we're going to talk about is called Hail to the Princess Aurora, which is the opening song for the movie and is a choir rendition as we are introduced to the birth of aurora and her is it a christening is it her just a birthday party i don't know what's going on um but basically the kingdom is going to pay their respects and well wishes um everyone's been invited apart from someone (laughs) um she was left off the guest list for whatever reason everyone just looks like oh we meant to we meant to call you that is maleficent um but yeah the song what do you think as this film is introduced to me, it feels very much like this is that typical Disney opening song that no one really ever cares about. <laughs> <laughs> the, the song kind of washed over me, but this was like as the opening scene is when you really see this like incredible visuals start to happen, and like it almost looks like a um, sort of like a cardboard uh, puppet theater. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, that's pro- that's what I thought. Yeah, and it's kind of I guess I mean that might be intentional because, but I mean I guess it plays. I don't know with this little. When we talk about the old animation method, were they still kind of using that layered cell approach? Probably, yeah. I'd say yeah. So. But anyway, like everything just looks like so textured, and these colours, like like I was talking about, earlier, like these fluorescent kind of like reds and greens, like really shine against this darkened background, and like I don't know, it's just it's just it's just like a visual triumph to watch it. But the song just kind of it's just there playing along to it and you're just kind of distracted by how good it looks rather than how oh, yeah. how good it sounds because I, I i think it's just yeah it's just like a a vocal chorus isn't it it's not there's no distinctive voice to pick yeah. out it's just like a it washes over you a little bit because it's just like deep voices singing in chorus 
and it, yeah. you've got nothing really to latch onto. It's just background noise almost. Yes. I think it does fit more in this because it, it is a march song. Yeah. And it's a march. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That's the only thing. Yeah, it has a nice bounce to it, doesn't it? Yeah. It feels like a marching band song. Like a very British sort of you can imagine military troop with big hats and drums walking down the mall with this sort of thing going on. Just change out Princess Aurora to one of the royals that people like in this country, which is <laughs> difficult. Princess Anne. Princess, Princess Anne. Anne. <laughs> Princess Andrew, yeah, yeah, yeah. Diana's ghost. <laughs> <laughs> I often march to the memory of Diana. I think a lot of people do. <laughs> the People's Princess. I wonder if Maleficent was invited to her birthday party. Well, it's probably the way around. Diana probably wasn't invited to, to, to someone else's. <laughs> yeah, it's probably it's a good way of putting it. So yeah, the song is based on the march, which is from the prologue of Tchaikovsky's ballet, Sleeping Beauty. As Alex has alluded to a few times already, almost all of the music is based on that. It is in some ways direct for me it's directly taken from the the opera but made worse <laughs> if they had more <laughs> but that's the thing like it's just it just feels like it's slightly reduced and added a added a choir like if they added like the full like brass it feels like they just take that away like if you listen to um if you listen to the tchaikovsky's sleeping beauty it just feels so much more epic like you go on YouTube and just type in the march. Yeah. It is this song or in the music from this song, but just ten times better. Do you think that's something to do with the audio capabilities of cinema at the time? Do you think they weren't able to layer it as much? Because you probably need I mean, I don't know what the track recordings were like at that time. Yeah, you you are probably right. Probably couldn't get all those sections because yeah, you'll have like what, like horn, string, you know, percussion, whatever. They might have been Bassoon. Bassoon. <laughs> Yeah, so so I don't. I mean, I don't know, but, but that could be the reason. It's a bit tinny. I, when you when you look at those behind the scenes that you get with the Blu-rays that there is for this one, and like you've got Walt Disney introducing it, they sometimes show the band, and it, it is just always smaller. Hmm. Um, so I don't know if that's just a, you know like a session band that you would have. They didn't have like a full-on studio or like what where Tchaikovsky probably recorded in a huge concert hall that is specifically designed for acoustics as well. Yeah, and to be honest, like the you know the record. If you search on YouTube, the recording you'll hear maybe won't you know won't be the original. It'll be like a newer version. No, no, by no, no, because that'll be as tinny as possible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think, yeah. and you know, it was probably, it was made to be the music was written to be played live in well, concert, know like Make, with opera. Remake Sleeping Beauty. Do it again. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Get Tchaikovsky. Get Tchaikovsky back. Bring him in. Bring him in. I'm sure he's not doing all. So yeah, the next song we wanted to talk about. Well, one is a strong word. Is I wonder. <laughs> Now, this is a song. Is it a song? It's more like a vocalisation. It's like someone practising scales. But it is performed by Aurora as she meanders through the forest, which she has been confined to. Can you be confined to a forest? As Diaz pointed out, the parents being idiots are thinking, yeah, that'll protect her. Let's send her out of the castle where we have a million guards. <laughs> and no spindles. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah no spindles. Um, to just be looked after by three fairies. What do we think about this song? I, I wanted to include it because I do like the, I guess, the performance. The, the lady singing is someone called Mary Costa, who I can talk about later. But what do you think? Well, I guess before I talk about the song, again, the animation here is beautiful. Yeah, this what this is beautiful. In the forest, it's incredible. Even if, annoyingly, the YouTube video I found today earlier must have been running at like 10 frames per second. <laughs> that was the same one I watched. <laughs> <laughs> when I watched it a year ago, this bit's all really, really smooth, and yeah, the YouTube video is like this. 
it's, <laughs> it's not good. Anyway, the song is very forgettable. If not forgettable, it's very easily mixed up in my brain with, um, what's it called? I'm Wishing from Snow White. Uh, yeah. So if you want my opinion of the song, Ben, I guess it's that I have no feelings about it whatsoever yep. because I couldn't really remember it. And it made no impacts on me. Good. And I know I won't remember it in the future. Yeah, cool. <laughs> Al, the first thing that struck me was obviously the scene from Shrek, <laughs> which is so obviously based on this, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh-huh. uh, the exploding bird. So, you know, obviously I was watching this <laughs> thinking, when's the bird going to explode? But no. Um, yeah. You know, it is what it is. <laughs> I don't really know what to yeah. say about it. It's not really well, a song. I want, no, there's, no, there's not. There's not much. One of the main reasons I wanted to include this was because it was the first introduction of Aurora, almost like the Mary Poppins kind of singing around the fountain and Mary the Costa. Mary Poppins. Who, yeah, <laughs> Mary Costa. The only I think she's of the three original Disney princesses. She's the only one still alive. She apparently did do, has done quite a lot. She's on the Blu-ray version. If you have the Blu-ray of Sleeping Beauty, she talks a lot about her performance. Uh, she was quite an acclaimed uh, operatic performer. Had various experiences throughout her life. She sang with Dean Martin. Uh, she was asked by um, whatever her name was. What's her name? Mrs. Kennedy to perform at JFK's uh, memorial. Jackie <laughs> to perform at JFK's memorial. She was very well liked, sang like the Triviata, Midsummer's Night's Dream. This is her most famous role. Uh, apparently, Walt Disney like, fell in love with her voice as soon as he heard it. And it is a nice voice. Uh, what do you think? Cause I, th- yeah. I, I think it, it does sound... We're talking about this as almost being uh, the last of this type of Disney film. It does feel like that old singing style as well. I think Alex has alluded to it before on other other episodes. Maybe when we're talking about Snow White, it's a very specific style of singing. Yeah, I mean, it, it has that kind of... It's sort of like a gramophone sound, isn't it? Yes, that's, and that's what you describe it's it. It's kind of a... Um, it's a step up beyond that, but it's different from, say, the last episode, which was Lady in the Tramp, which was kind of much more... sounded much more contemporary. I guess this is still very much in the mould of... Probably because of the operatic music in the background, but it's still... Yeah, yeah. It's, de- it's definitely still of that older school. But I think she has, she, you know, she has a pretty incredible voice, I think. I think yeah. Garvey argued... I think what I'm I'm looking forward to getting into the later films, the Disney films, just because, like every episode we do, I feel like there's like one main song which everybody knows from that film when we talk about it, and then there's all these like other side songs that ever, that's not even that aren't even yeah, really yeah, songs. Absolutely. Whereas obviously you get into like the eighties, <laughs> yeah. well seventies, eighties, nineties, noughties. There's like a full soundtrack of like four or five proper songs that you can get your teeth into. Absolutely. Which is just absent from this film. Well, sorry, Alex, for bringing no, it up. No, it's fine. You know, maybe we should no, have no, it no, the no, reverse no. way around. I'm disappointed you, know. you again for yeah. many years. Well, you know, but that's how it works. You know, um, This one's also braced off uh, the bridge for the Garland Waltz from Tchaikovsky's Ballet, the first 30 seconds. They basically took all the music, obviously, from that ballet. If you are listening, thinking that they, this, all the music that you hear comes from Sleep Beauty, you're wrong. Everything's stolen in life. Nothing's original. Uh, get used to it. <laughs> Moving on. Just absolutely <laughs> wrecked the listener. Well, you know, that's their own fault for listening. Um, well, I love you, really. <laughs> Except you. After those first 30 seconds of the Garland Waltz, the bridge from the Garland Waltz, the rest of the song is what we know very well as Once Upon a Dream. That song that Alex alluded to, that one song that we know, yeah, it's this one. Of course mm. it is. This is the main title piece of the film. It comes about when Aurora and Prince Philip meet in the woods. They fall in love, love at first sight, as we are so accustomed to in these early Disney films. And 
they begin their, I guess, very brief, swift uh, romance that has a few dragons in the way. This is an iconic Disney song. What do we think of this one? It's iconic. It's iconic, <laughs> yeah. As you said. Shout out to Sammy Fain and Jack Lawrence, right? This is just so recognisable with this film, and I think it's the song, as I've said. Do you like it, then? I, I do like this one. Yeah, I do like this one, because I think it's... When you hear it, it does take you back to watching these films as a child. I think it's one that you really remember from the classic films because it's the only proper song from this film, really. And yeah, I like it. I like the I like the waltzy nature of it. I like that it's it's hard to put into words, really. But I, I just think it, it it has nostalgia in it because of like what I said in in that it reminds you of watching it as a child. It reminds you of those older Disney films that you kind of loved watching i guess like you know times have very much moved on from 1959 and, and probably they you know had moved on in 1959 from the message that this film portrays about romance <laughs> yeah. but yeah. you know as we've said like you look at this film and it's it's so beautiful to look at and then you put this song over it and like it's just it feels quite dreamlike doesn't it and, and obviously that's the point yeah. but it it feels very, you know, it's like wells up this idea of romance in your mind, even if it's like mm-hmm. a, you know, not the best <laughs> form yeah. of romance, but you know, it does <laughs> still like you still watch it kind of like with it with a with an uplift within your within your soul, I suppose. So I, I mean, I I like it just because of that. It feels like a, it feels like a piece of music from that time, but it feels like a a song that you could listen to over and over again, and you wouldn't get bored because it has this resonance with it because of what it says about your youth, I suppose. I don't know. Just saying words now, aren't I? <laughs> but, yeah. I'm just saying words now. There we go. Get that uh, as a poster. The official tagline of that song from that movie, I'm just saying words. Yeah, no, We're just, just saying words. We're just saying words. <laughs> just spitting bars, uh, saying words. I think for me, Once Upon a Dream is up there with Wish Upon a Star as like a Disney staple where they're so Disney that they've evolved beyond the movie that they're from. They're just part of the Disney lexicon. It, I, I mm. know it's not a Disney original in the truest sense. But to me, it, similar to Alex, it, it sort of evokes memories or makes me think I'm sat in the parks in a bandstand and this is playing or I'm watching the fireworks and this is playing. I almost don't associate it with Sleeping Beauty so much as just Disney, the brand Disney. Yeah, I'd, no, I, I'd say um, the same, yeah. Which is a shame because it is a beautiful visual as we've i've mentioned about a billion times and we all have echoed the same thing yeah we've been saying and it's a wonderful words. song in its own right as well i guess uh, i think i like i prefer the you know this is me i could even sound incredibly pretentious i don't care about early sound um but <laughs> i think the ballet sounds better personally that's fair i mean it, it does sound i good. think the Ga- i think the garland waltz sounds better than this song yeah i, I don't I, th- I don't think the lyrics do nothing <laughs> <laughs> oh. i don't know about that i think it adds a bit of a sachet to it well, I guess a bit, of a, a bit of a dreamlike. I know it says dream, yeah. which is a bit lazy in terms of using that comparison. But I think it adds a sort of yeah, sachet is the only word I can think of. And it's and I don't think it goes over the top because it doesn't you know pack it full of lyrics. It just has like this kind of repeating uh, and like waltzes kind of have this feel anyway. It's a bit of like a lullaby kind of esque sound to them, which obviously yeah. links to the whole idea of dreams and fantasy and the slumber yes. that is the inevitable slumber that is coming. So it feels like it's dragging you into this kind of sleep state. So you know, I yeah. I, I, I agree more with, with Dean that I, I like 
this version probably i mean i have nothing against the, the musical version and, and i'm sure it probably has a nicer more impactful sound you know coming from a full symphony orchestra but i i, I like the the, the lyrics to because i think it yeah, i think it ties fair. in with the story in it it you know they could i don't think it would have worked if it was just the music over the top i think it needed some lyrics yes, for the no, film. that is that's definitely makes sense um can we all agree that prince philip needs to back off a bit yeah, he's very forward in the scene, isn't he? He's been dead for a few years, hasn't he? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, well, <laughs> I don't know what else to say about that one, D. You're really, you're really yeah. coming at the royals today, D. Yeah, I have. Take that, Diana. <laughs> Are you saying, Ben, that she should have got with the owl in the red cloak? Well, I mean, you know, they would have made a more interesting film. I, I love when the I love when the owl shrugs. Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. When he starts dancing with How him. many Disney films has Owl been in? I feel like he's been oh, in a yeah, lot. Yeah. Where, when you learn to draw an owl, you, you, one way, you, you know. It's that meme, isn't it? Where it's like, you know, how to draw an owl. Where it's like, uh, draw these two circles. And it, the next the next panel is just, draw the rest of the fucking owl. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're, we're arguing, disagreeing on which version's better. There's definitely another version <laughs> that's much better. But I'm going to pause on that one just for a moment because there was a version of this song released for the film Maleficent, which I think was 2014, which was a Lana Del Rey version that got a lot of acclaim. Now, Lana Del Rey is a... She's a... Well, she's a singer. She's a singer. Uh, what else do you describe about her? She, uh, she, she's a singer feel, of the I time. I feel like she was incorrectly labelled as a generational talent when she's just a good singer. Yeah, well, she, I feel like there's about four. She's had about four or five albums now, and I just feel like they're all they're very much the same song. Pretty she also okay. didn't like the fact that she wasn't on the main. She wasn't <laughs> on the main stage at Glastonbury, which I thought was a pretty dick thing to say. Has she ever topped video games though? Well, the very first song Ready she ever released. <laughs> yes, uh, there's, that's the thing. I, I like some of her music. I do think that version is pretty good. That idea of singing it from Maleficent, which is quite an interesting character. I think the first one's pretty pretty decent. The other one's not so good. But yes, there is another version that I've sent to these two guys. Now, one of the great things in the uh, <laughs> in the incredible churning industry that is Disney is that they obviously have the rights to these songs that we love and cherish for years, decades, and they can do with them what they please. And they're going to push them into your mouth in some way. And one way they did that was in the 90s. <laughs> Uh, oh wait! In fact, this might have been even the early noughties. Now this everyone, has got to be noughties. Everyone knows surely. the group No No Secrets, right? Yeah, we all heard of No Secrets I before not. I sent you. I the... have not. No, they were a secret to me. <laughs> <laughs> They're like a poor man's cheetah girls. All I know is that one of the main singer for they were very cheetah girls, weren't they? The main singer for No Secrets was called Angel Faith. Who <laughs> was her real name? Well, uh, yeah, Angel Marie Faith. Angel yep. Marie Faith. Wow. Yeah. So basically, uh, everyone go on YouTube and listen to this version, the uh, No Secrets version of Once Upon a Dream. Um, it's special. It's a gift. <laughs> it's so special. Um, it's not always the gift that you want. It's sometimes that gift that's been re-gifted uh, and packaged in different ways. But um, it's a song. What do you think of this version, guys? Much more interesting, much more contemporary. I, I haven't provided you with, like I have in other other episodes, the Disney Eurobeat version of the <laughs> song, which is also a Stone Cold classic. That's a shame. <laughs> it's so close to Eurovision. 
This felt like it could have been a Eurovision uh, entry so, from like about the, 50. The, there's so. loads of different versions of this song. Do you know Emily Osman? I think she was in, she was the friend. Hannah Montana. Hannah Montana, yeah. She also did a version of this song. Um, but the No Secrets version is much better because they're in, they're in on set. <laughs> they're, they've, they've been filmed in front of the animated backdrop. Um <laughs> It's a female. My, my absolute favorite thing about it is like it does that thing that so many songs of this era did, which is kind of has it has almost like a voicemail sound in it, where like one of the people is like <laughs> yeah, yeah. speaking as if they're they're leaving a voicemail, and it has that like kind of like weird like I don't know like vocal fry staticky sound to it. I can't really describe it. So you hear people, you, you hear it, you'll know, know what, what you I mean. mean. Yeah, yeah. And it's just got yeah. that like four or five times. It opens with it. And then it's like, it happens like three or four times in between. And it's like, come on. Your princess is waiting. <laughs> and they've got like, trying. it's full on dance number. Isn't you. it? Like they've got an organized routine. <laughs> oh yeah. Cut the choreo the curry yeah. at some point. Uh, <laughs> what the- I mean, yeah, you've got to listen to it, guys. It's ridiculous. Music's changing. Music's developing all the time. Uh, and, Im- and improving. Should it go back here to this place, though? I feel like I feel it's... it's- Somewhere it's a shift. You know what? If you did that thing, you know, like on, you know, like there's those, the, the, the doc, I always think of the, you know, the doc, there's a Doctor Who episode where they get, um, what's his name? Um, Van Gogh, who obviously died not knowing any, the impact of any of his works. And then he's walking around the gallery and he starts crying because he's realizing the impact he's had. Now, if we brought Tchaikovsky. I back, think it's in no secrets. <laughs> <laughs> they're not dead. <laughs> <laughs> no, but music died the day they stopped recording. Well, yeah, I suppose maybe maybe this is what Don McLean was on about all the time. <laughs> it was. I mean, it, well, I mean, to be right, I mean, obviously he wrote a song about Vincent Van Gogh as well. So, <laughs> but if we show Tchaikovsky the impact of his work had had on the zeitgeist, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think he just you know he'd be inspired to write oh another ballet um, and maybe use the Eurobeat tunes. Um, because apparently, according to the people that are a fan of that Eurobeat album, this is one of, if not the best two thirds of, is <laughs> one of those. <laughs> that is the main song from this film. There is another song, which, uh, yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing. Is there? There kind of is. It's um, it comes as yeah. Guess what? She's pricked a finger. The song is called Sleeping Beauty. Usually the song that has the name of the film is a better song. So it's kind of a reprise of a tune that happens earlier called The Gifts of Beauty and Song, which is when the fairies are giving their gifts. But it's like, it's got like a verse and this version has two verses. So I thought, hey, what? This is more of a song. Plus, I wanted to mention it, which we've already come and talked about how ridiculous it is that they're just like, well, yeah, I guess she's asleep. Well, let's put everyone to sleep. <laughs> it's just fucking put them all to sleep. You know what? If they've had postcodes, the prince they would have known how to get hold of the prince. <laughs> they could have just sent him a letter. But you know what? Because they literally destroy the entire staff. You know what? This is they deserved it. I'll tell you what, they deserved it. Yeah, I mean what what is the logic behind putting them all to sleep? I can't remember. Uh, is it like a is it like a stasis? Is this where Walt Disney got his idea to put himself in stasis until they found a cure for Whatever I mean, is that true? Is it going to turn out that is he going to get brought back at some point because he has just been in a cry? I know it was one of those things, like you know, Marilyn Manson having a missing rib, or like, like, like you know, everyone feel like they knew this fact that he was in cryogenic sleep because he had cancer or something. So you know what? Maybe it's true. 
Is that what the film Frozen was about? Well, yeah, it is. Wasn't there a rumour that the reason why they called Frozen Frozen is so when you googled Disney Frozen, it would come up with the film and not conspiracy theories about Walt Disney? They're directing really? him away. They're directing him that away. Makes, that makes so makes much sense. sense. And then that makes sense why they called the next one Wreck-It Ralph. <laughs> I think we going to say Frozen 2. Like, anyway. Is, is Walt <laughs> Disney Frozen <laughs> 2? <laughs> Electric Buggaloo. Um... There's not. I mean, like I say, if you play. Do you want my song, opinion on this, Ben? Go on. Give me your opinion on this song because it's not really a song. It's ten a penny. There you go, Alex. Thanks. Um, yeah. All I like is when you look at the song doesn't. in the list. It apparently it's preceded by a, fil- a song called Scumps. I couldn't find anything about Scumps. <laughs> Scumps. I want to know what Scumps is, but uh, it's also called the Drinking sc- Song when they just start saying Scumps repeatedly. I couldn't find it. Squab. Scumps up. Scumps. Put your scumps up for Detroit. <laughs> I love this city. Well, now that all that muck is over and done with, um, the more interesting time of the podcast. Yes, take part, guys. It's the top five. Top five. Cheers in the background. Thank you very much. Now, I'm a big fan of Dungeons and Dragons. And guess what? This film has. It's got a bloody dragon in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, and it's pretty epic, to be honest. That animation when they're fighting the dragon. Oh, yeah. Sack yeah. all the, like, the, the other stuff. Why isn't there like an absolute banging like Iron Maiden-esque song coming out of this? But I'm interested in what are the greatest movie dragons? Yeah. So I have done what I usually do, collected okay. various movie websites that have done these lists, com- compiled them, aggregated them. What are the top five? I mean, the obvious choice. The truly obvious choice. I don't know the name of the dragon, but I'm going to call it Dragonheart from the film Dragonheart. Yeah, it's <laughs> with not, the voice it, of Sean Connery. It was in some. It, it was lists that did like top twenties, and they they couldn't remember any, so they put in <laughs> after they'd gone through every single named dragon in <laughs> Harry Potter. We were left. Yeah, it's not really in there. So, so what you're saying is it's in the list. It's not in the list. It's not in okay. the top five. Smaug. Uh, Smile is number four. Yes, well done. Toothless. Toothless is it's number six. It wasn't in what? a lot. Yeah, I thought I was expecting that. I, a lot of people just didn't have it even in the list at all. Like, I was surprised. God, I want to watch Dragon. Uh, M- Mrs. Now. Donkey. I want to watch Dragon. No, she was no. It was in some list, but no. The dragon from Pete's Dragon. Uh, Pete's Dragon is in there, at number five. Um, Norbert. <laughs> Norbert from Harry Potter. Is that not his name? Oh right! Um, you said it was Harry. Know, you said there was is. one from Harry Potter. Yeah, well, they've, they've all got like their names, like Hungarian Horntail yeah. and things like this. Yeah, oh. Norwegian Ridgeback. Yeah, Norwegian Ridgeback. Yeah. Okay, let's. I think er- is it Aragorn? You, 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 you're doing the thing. You're doing the thing that you always forget to do. Oh, the one from this film. Yes, Maleficent. Uh, what about when the witch from Sword and the Stone turns into a dragon? Is that one? Because I think that's uh, a no. more iconic dragon scene than this one. No. Uh, you you wrong with that. <laughs> Okay. Seeing as friend of the podcast M from Verbal Diorama covered it recently, what about the dragon from Reign of Fire? I was just going to say that. <laughs> Reign of Fire is a great film, but no, no. You're going to need some clues. So you've got oh, the one from from Shrek. Come on. No, we know it's not there. It's not, no, we've already said, I said that one. Yeah, oh, sorry. Did you say that one? Sorry. The other two are animated. They are animated. Oh, yes. P- uh, Puff the Magic Dragon. Nope. Does the uh, does what's his face from <laughs> Neverending Story count? You mentioned it Falco. is in Falco. He's in some lists, yeah. but a lot of lists use it as an argument of it's not a dragon; yeah. it's some form of flying dog. Is, thing. It, is it called Mushi? Is it from Mulan? <laughs> Daddy Murphy. Mushu, Mushu. Mushu. Yes, number two. Uh... Now the other one is 
what I consider to be my favourite film. Is it Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon? <laughs> <laughs> Chow Yun Fat, yes, well done. <laughs> no, it's not. Another animated film. Oh, Spirit, is it uh, Spirited Away? Yeah, 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 it's Haku from Spirited Away. Haku, that's it, yeah. Well done, you kind of got there with some guidance. Um, Honourable mention, Dragon Heart. <laughs> <laughs> that's a film that you don't see around anymore. I would watch that if that was on. Yeah, well, annoyingly, a lot of people put, like, the best dragon movies, not, like, the dragons. Yeah. And I was like, that's not, I don't care about that. Yeah, because that and is a film specifically about a dragon, as is Reign of Fire. Where I feel like, yeah. you know, like Mush, Mushu and Mulan. You know what, Alex? If this was the top dragon films, Dragonheart was in a lot of them. <laughs> Toothless wasn't even in the top five. Yeah, Toothless yeah, wasn't. Literally about yeah, Toothless should have been. Toothless should have been. Yeah, that's that's outrageous. Yeah, I know. Well, uh, oh, I really want to watch Drag- Dragonheart. It's such a fucking stupid film. <laughs> Dragon oh. with chucks like that. <laughs> just, yeah. <laughs> and it has does it share a, does it share a heart with Dennis Quaid? No, it's not Dennis Quaid, is it? It's the other guy. <laughs> Dennis Quaid is in the film. <laughs> Fucking hell, I need to go watch Dennis. If you can find us somewhere. Now I could go on to the next segment, which is best song, but What's it funny, feels Jerry? like it's no part. Yeah, exactly. So should we just skip it to skip get it. us quicker to our rewatch of Dragon Hearts? <laughs> yep. Fucking hell. Okay, let's just Heart, go straight man. to the ending. <laughs> What happened to Dennis Quaid? Honestly, though, where'd he go? He's still raking in that uh, Dragonheart money. I was going to say, the success of Dragonheart probably went to his head. <laughs> I feel like I saw Dragonheart at the cinema, though, didn't you guys? 1996, you didn't see it, so you're fine. No. I've been blowing your flipping socks off. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'd like a re-release. Oh, <laughs> oh it is, isn't it? It's, it's David Thewlis. Yeah, that... <laughs> He, he just it was the Wait, bad David, guy. Was he's it? The guy. I don't remember David. Yeah, he's the guy that plays the half of um, the Dragon Heart. You know, he's the he's the evil guy. I mean, he's fucking scary. If you've seen that Sandman, he's bloody scary as sin. Mm. He's he's a good actor. He's a good actor. Fucking hell. He, uh, it's, so, you know what else is a good actor? I mean, Al, <laughs> Dennis Quaid. Al, Al, Al Sean Connery played Draco. Is that the name <laughs> of the yeah, dragon? That's unbelievable. Yeah, that's very clever, isn't it? Okay, so that brings us to another episode of that song from that movie. Let us know via a tweet which one you think is better, because by the time this episode comes out, Elon will have taken away the ability for us to do polls. Oh my god. So you can follow us on social media, on Twitter, Hive, and Instagram. Alex, what is our Twitter? Uh, what is our handle? Oh, it's TSFTMBod. So you can also help the podcast by sharing this on Reddit, but Ben, what random subreddit should Dragon you share it on this week? Heart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I knew that was coming. <gasps> it's got a song by Enya. Right, where <laughs> come we on, come on. next week started. Come on, if you can find it, pencil it in. So you can help help the podcast by signing up to our Patreon, buying our merch, uh, leaving a five star review wherever you listen to your podcasts, or just telling your friends. All the information's in the show notes. Uh, so all stuff now is do some goodbyes. So it's goodbye from myself. Goodbye and goodbye from Alex. Wake me up, Prince Charming. I've been dreaming about you. <laughs> your favorite, is that your favourite quote from Dragonheart? <laughs> no, because I would have been Wake me up, Prince Charming. <laughs> I've been dreaming about you. <laughs> and goodbye from Ben. Oh, scumps up. Sc- scumps. Imagine Sean Connery saying the word scumps. <laughs> I don't think he could. Scumps. 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 Slobber your chops. Oh my word. Uh, so goodbye everybody. Bye. 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 Bye.
Oh my god, there is a there is a sequel and three prequels to Dragon Heart. <laughs> three prequels. In post, do I add a, an apology for three Yorkshiremen saying Aurora? <laughs> Aurora, yeah. Aurora. Aurora. It is not, yeah, it is not a name to like to call your kids if you're from Yorkshire, is it? I don't think it goes with any Northern English accent. How are you, man? Aurora. Yeah, we, <laughs> yeah. Aurora. 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 Aurora.